You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for choosing us. This week, I'm here to share with you my conversation with Bristol-based legend, Red Light. I was immersed in that culture from a, a young kid. Like, that was my education in a sense. You know, I wasn't interested in school. I was interested in what dub plates were being played in the uh, back room of Lakota on a Friday night. Red Light's productions have populated UK dance floors for years, with tracks like Source 16, Get Out My Head, and his infamous collaboration with Miss Dynamite, all growing into festival anthems. Having nurtured his Lobster Boy imprint for over a decade, Red Light has now introduced us to Dream Vision Future, a brand new label that's housing his more recent productions. Airy, breakbeat-inspired goodness that reflects the shift in many of our listening habits during lockdown. I spoke to Red Light about growing up amongst Bristol's rich electronic music scene, the impact of the BBC Two TV show Dance Energy, and his ever-evolving relationship to clubs. This is Resident Advisors Exchange and we're welcoming Red Light to the show. Hello. How are you doing? You all right? I'm good, thank you. Thanks Sweet. for joining me. Thank um, you for, for letting me come on. So I can see where you are on Zoom. Do you want to tell the people where you are? You've got a yeah. nice setup there. I'm in my studio in um, um, northwest London. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just, you know, getting amongst it. So have you been on the home studio flex for a while? No, this isn't a home studio. Oh, this you're is, not at home. It, you know, but it's like home from home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a home. <laughs> so you're comfortable there? Kind of. You don't want to be too comfortable at work because otherwise you don't do anything. Oh, yeah, true. That, that blocks the creativity. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me. <laughs> um, so we're going to get to know you a little bit better today. Mm. Um, and I think a nice place to start would be going all the way back. Um, so please could you share with us your earliest memory connected to sound or music? Oh, that's a tricky one. I don't know, really. I feel like I'm under hypnosis. <laughs> I don't know, you know, like, um, God, I've got a bad memory, eh? But, like, I don't know, probably primary school time, maybe? You know, when you start, you're, you'll just start aware you're aware of music and you know obviously you hear music from early in life etc but um uh I don't think till like later on probably like eight you're very aware personally I was very aware of a connection with music and feelings with music and how it could make you feel a certain way do you know what I mean it wasn't just in the background I felt like I was being absorbed by it Mm. you know yeah and, that is pretty young to have a strong connection like yeah that. I I was I do you know what I th- I guess I was young yeah because I by the time I was 11 I was already like super immersed in music you know in terms of making music I kind of kind of just like but yeah I guess being like you know trying to work out how to put things together from like making my own loop tapes with like you know I was just intrigued by the mechanics of music like 
you know, I can remember getting a, you know, a Michael Jackson tape when I was like eight or something. That's the kind of the first thing I got a Michael Jackson tape because because of bad or whatever had come out. And I only had a few quid and I can remember going to the shop and it was like the cheap Michael Jackson tape. And I was like, oh, sick, it's going to be Michael Jackson. But it was obviously it was it was what was the band he was in with his brothers? Um, Jackson Five. Yeah. So it's the Jackson Five. I was like, I don't want to listen to this. I wanted to listen to Bad or, or you know, Thriller or whatever it was that obviously got me thinking about that track. So straight away, the first thing I did was put tape over the tape where you can record over it. And then I started recording over the tape I just bought with stuff off the radio and then cutting that up so the tunes wouldn't have any gaps in and then when you'd hear another good tune you cut that into it and da, da, da. and before you know it, I'm making mixtapes mm-hmm. and I'm only like eight and then by the time I was like 11 12 I was making loop tapes so what you do you take all the tape out of the cassette apart from one tiny reel so it was like a loop so it's just a, a repetitive loop and worked out how to do that and then you know it went on from there really and were any of your mates doing this or was this just you figuring it out alone i think it was i think it was partly the only kind of thing that really resonated with me was music at that time in my life and um yeah some of my friends were into music and then we just you know i went to secondary school and the rave scene was popping off and i just you know got caught up in all that really Mm-hmm. And is this in Bristol? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, just, just, just south of Bristol, like okay. about five miles out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps you'd be able to describe for me the scene that you were entering. Like, who did you kind of look up to at the time? Who were you raving with? Where were you going? What DJs were you seeing? So I guess at that era, in that era, this was like I was when I was twelve. It was nineteen ninety two. Okay. So it was like that. First of all, there was like a thing on BBC Two called Dance Energy. Okay. Yeah. So when I was like 89, 89, when I was in primary school, Dance Energy was on BBC Two. There's this thing on BBC Two called Deaf Two. Yeah. Have you ever heard of this? No. It was bad, right? So Deaf Two, yeah, was BBC Two on a Friday night after six thirty, and it was like. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air would come on, then it would be dance energy, and then it would go to like this programme about travel, be like the rough guide or something. And that's when I was like, <laughs> I wasn't too into it. Yeah. But that uh, obviously Fresh Prince was sick. Mm-hmm. And then dance energy, you know about dance energy. I don't know about dance energy. Oh my God. It. So dance energy was this programme, yeah. And it was like presented by this guy, Normski. You can, there's loads of them on YouTube. You can watch, you should watch them. You'll be like, oh, what? And it it was basically like all the rave tunes and they'll be in the, it was like the ravers top of the pops. And they'll be in the studio and they'll like, you know, 808 State would be on it or like Bizarre Inc or The Prodigy or like Marshall Jefferson or like all these like people from, the world of dance music and there'll be all these people doing mad like cutting shapes and like break dancing and everyone will be dressed like it, it was sick 
And I was just like, my mind was like, oh my God, that was it for me. And then, so when I got to secondary school now, and there was a kid, there was a couple of kids in the, the year above me, and they were just blasting out like DJ Ratty or one of these, like, oh, it was like Dreamscape six or two or something like that or obsession or universe tapes you know and it'd be blasting out be like ratty or like carl cox then when he was still a hardcore dj or um you know all those kind of names groove writers you know people like that and i, I was just like completely like taken by the breakbeats side of it and the dark samples and just like, like what I was saying when I was eight, I got submersed in the energy of music. When I heard that sound, I was just like underneath it. I was swimming in it, you know, and that, that just drew me in to creativity even more, you know? Mm -hmm. So then, so then we started going, obviously in Bristol and the West country, Southwest of the UK at that time, you had Fresh Four, you had Massive Attack, you had The Wild Bunch, you know, Tricky. Then you had like Ronnie and them man coming up and you had like all these and Die and Crust and Jody Way Out West and all these different people and Nick Warren, like Techno and Jungle and and uh, and Trip Hop and everything and Porter's Head. So there was like this huge fabric around me of creativity like happening and being a young boy who was kind of like that's all I want to be immersed in fuck school I'm not interested in that I'm following where my mind's taking me I'd end up you know there was a massive warehouse party scene then as well illegal rave so 12 13 I had an older sister too Hannah big ups Hannah because she was all she was already at college at that point so she was like and I was a tall kid so I used to sneak into clubs with her and then old with other friends I'll then uh older friends and that and a couple of friends my own age will go to warehouse parties like illegal raves in Bristol clubs and by the time it was like 94 95 I was just you know going to Lakota going to Roughneck Tin to watch Randall or crust and I was completely immersed in jungle music, jungle mm-hmm. drama bass and the scene and what it was. Mm. And then when did you get to like making electronic music and how did you first get your hands on what what were you using initially? Well, I wasn't making music then, I was just DJing. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll go into the centre of Bristol, we'll buy records. All my friends were on DJing and smoking weed. You know, that's what kids did then, really. Like, go around your mate's house, you had the turntables, everyone would smoke weed and just play the latest tunes and, you know, listen to pirate radio. And that was the kind of youth culture, really, mm. that I was immersed in. And then, um, you know, you try and get into the raves on the weekend. Oh, shit, you'd see the fly. You'd be like, oh, my God, Randall's playing fucking hell. Let's go down there. Well, da, da, da. I hear there's a party. You'd like, sometimes it'd be like, I hear there's a party um, at the, um, there was this place. There was, um, there was a uh, nuclear power station, right? And there was this beach by this nuclear power station like 30 miles away there's this rave down at the nuclear power station you'd be like what really 
be like, yeah, my older brother's got a car. We're going to go there. So you'll get in the car and you go to this like nuclear power station and you'll be like, wait up. You'd hear the beat coming. You'd be like, oh my God, there is a rave down there. And then you go down there and there'll be like some like weird rave with like, that was the other side of it. It'd be like the free party scene. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so there was loads of things going on that we were going to, but I didn't know how to make the music. I didn't even know what the equipment was. And yeah. then it wasn't until um, I seen one of my dad's friend's kids had this sampler at their house and they were like, this is how you make this. And I was like, no. And already by that point, I was like, I'd, you know, I'd been bunking off school for like three years, had no qualifications. But then in in a, a town near Bristol, it's called Western Supermare. Mm-hmm. They were like one of the first places in the country to start a music technology course. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> I need to go to this because you couldn't afford the equipment back then. It was so mm. expensive. This is like 96. So expensive. Like, I was like, I need to go to college. All of a sudden, I was like, I need to go to college. <laughs> and they were like, well, you can't get in. You haven't got any GCSEs. And I was like, oh, no. But I went down there anyway, and they they could see the passion in me. Big ups, Jill Sargent, this woman who worked there. They could see the passion in me, and they were like, yeah, you can come. And they and they let me um, come to the course. And they're like, you've got to retake your GCSEs mm-hmm. while you're doing it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. But I didn't. I was like, I lasted like three. I couldn't do it. I was just like, I just need to be up there, like, stroking the sampler. <laughs> so, but they were like they could see the enthusiasm in me and I was there every day like it, we were only supposed to be there two and a half days a week I was in there every day for two years you know and then from then it just escalated you know and then I moved mm. to London okay after college yeah after college I moved down to London for a bit worked with a couple of labels lived in a you know in a little kind of like like bedroom flat where someone was living in the um, living room. I was in the back room working for this guy's label. Didn't work out because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Do you know what I mean? Moved back to Bristol again, you know, and just cracked on. Mm. Well, in terms of production, I don't know if you can recall those sort of early experiments that you were making at college. Did they, did they have like, was it possible to see what they were going to transform into or is there some stuff that you look back on and sort of cringe about? I think I look back at most of my career and cringe about it, to be honest. <laughs> you know, because I feel like um, in general, listen, I'm the guy who's had like a hundred different haircuts, like, you know, worn ridiculous clothes some points in my life. I've got tattoos all over me. Some of them are terrible. Some of them are great. It's like, I feel just like, I don't know. I'm just, I just, I just create what I feel around me at the time. And it's an expression of who, what you're feeling. And I'm not uniformed. Like I'm not, yo, this is me. And this is me forever. I'm like, this is me today. This is how I feel today. Like I may feel a kind of way about it in two weeks. I never want to feel that way again, but I fingerprinted it. So if I if I go back and listen to one of my tracks from 15 years ago, I'm like, shit, what the fuck? Or I'm like, wow, that's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, 
it depends. You know, some tunes I look back at and I think, yeah, I've, I know where I was then mentally and where I, how I was feeling. And that was me getting that out. And then other times I look back and I'm like, what was I doing? But that's life, right? You can look at relationships like that with friends, like lovers, you know, like people you treated badly or well, like a telephone conversation, you look back up and think, oh God, that was so embarrassing. Why did I say that? Or a job interview or whatever. It's the same, you know, with, with being a creative, with painting, with music, with anything. It's like nothing's ever the finished product. Mm. It's the journey. Mm. And I guess it's quite like a special thing that you can just be transported to, you know, how, how you were feeling at the time when you go and, and check out something that you made a while ago. Sure. And also like many people will have that impression from your music drawing them back to like a certain time right. in their life. Right. Um, I was wondering about, you kind of already mentioned DJing a bit, but um, mm. I'd love to hear about, you know, the first time that you, heard something that you made getting played in a club setting do you remember that i remember some of it vaguely like um fabric was like a huge when i was like 19 so it was like 99 2000 fabric was like the fucking spot it was the spot you know like friday night fabric room two jungle drum and bass the green laser people throwing it down the sound system it was the spot everyone was there bristol you know but wherever you're from you'd be down there do you know what i mean because it was like the spot everyone was there dub plates were being played if you were immersed in the culture you want to hear what's going on diane crust had a residency there you know so i'll go down there and at the time like one of my friends, Ben, shouts to Ben, like was coming around my house and he's like, yo, Di wants to hear some of your music. And I was like, oh yeah, so give him this thing. And I made this tune with my friend, Devastate Steve from South London at the time. It was called Mr. Cayman. And we did it under this uh, this name called Mechanism. And it was like this choppy aim and beat. And it had like a sample for, have you ever seen a film, Gorillas in the Mist? No. With Sigourney Weaver. It's like a true story. Do you know Sigourney Weaver, the actress, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like an old movie. And it's a true story about this female um, uh, park uh, warden who has to look after gorillas and, like, people are trying to poach them, blah, blah, blah. But there's, you know, there's loads of, like, great jungle sounds in the. <laughs> okay. So we, like, we, you know, we got some jungle sounds out of there, put it in this tune. It's like this mad bongo beeline, you know, and it was like, it was, it was like this dark atmospheric roller and then die cut it onto plate, dub plate, went down to fabric. He goes and bust it like three in the morning. And then I heard someone else play it. And it was like, I heard it get rung off like three times in the night getting, you know, rewound and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is sick. You know, and that was a moment. And then like, because I'd already been making beats for like four years before that, mm. but no one's playing them because they're rubbish, <laughs> you know? So all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow. Like I'm actually at a level where people want to play my music. 
And that that was a moment. And that was kind of, I guess that was a watershed moment because you're walking through a door and then all of a sudden you're just in the game. Mm. And is Di one of those DJs that you, you know, were inspired by? And Definitely. Like I looked up to Di, Ronnie, Crust, Sav, all the full cycle lot. You know, I'd grown up with their music. I'd gone to all their parties, like Flynn, Flora, everyone else in Bristol. You know, I was immersed in that culture from a, a young kid. Like that was that was my education in a sense. You know, I wasn't interested in school. I was interested in what dub plates were being played in uh, back room of Lakota on a Friday night or Ashton Court Festival or, you know, um, Trinity or Malcolm X Centre or all these places in Bristol or Depot or uh, UE French A Campus. Like, all these raves were happening in Bristol. We all just wanted to be there. We wanted to see the tunes ring off. We wanted to hear that music all the time because there was no internet then. Mm. You had to be at the raves to hear it. And, mm-hmm. like, the co- the culture of Britain then, you know, like black white everyone just raving hard to this sound like it we wanted to be part of that you know like it was it felt like ours like we wanted to belong in that you know that was that was the britain i wanted to be part of you know yeah and do you think we've kind of strayed away from that i don't know (laughs) maybe i'm just a different age i don't know like Mm. i don't know I, i feel like I feel like that scene, like that energy, that part of like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. But there's, I've maybe I'm older now. I'm 41 now. So I've still have that energy in me. I still strive for that within my life and music a hundred percent. But I feel like capitalism is 20 years older money like changes waves changes energy changes the bandwidth of life around you and i I feel like capitalism the fumes of capitalism like crack smoke going into your fucking mouth like it's changed the world like it's changed how people think back then it was like that art and culture that culture man was everything to me and people around me like Mm. You know, it was like it was like it's tribal, I guess. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um. So when you know things open up, I'm speaking to you, and things are still locked down in the UK at yeah. this point in time as we're speaking. Mm. Um. When things are open again, and you know, in the future, what kind of energy do you hope that you'll be able to bring to the clubs when we return to DJing? Do you know what? For me, it's just not about clubs anymore. Like. I just like this last year and a half, like it's just, you know, like life's like life in general is different for me now. Like I don't, you know, like all my life I've, you know, from the age of 13, I've been DJing in clubs and raves, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and and to warehouses to like, you know, I'll be like that kid, you know, there was warehouse raves in Bristol that my dad would drop me off to in the car and I would wait there for 12 hours till seven, eight in the morning, nine in the morning, yeah, to get on the decks. You know, like I'd wait till every other DJ older than me had been on the decks and passed through and then I'll get on the decks, you know, they'll be like, yo, you can have a go now. I'll be like, oh, yeah. there'll be like 20 kids left in the rave, you know? Like, <laughs> I've been through every stage of that, you know? And it's like, 
like what I was saying about going to fabric and hearing your tune bust out, like since that age, all I've ever wanted to do is that. I've wanted to, I, I will work all week till I've made a piece of culture, a piece of music, piece of something that I'm proud of. And yeah. I will go to that party and I know it's going to fuck up the rave. Like it could be house, it could be like what bass music, could be drum and bass, could be whatever I want to make. Like if I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it to do a certain thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what I enjoyed. Go to going to a party and feeling that energy with the people in there and enjoying it. You know, now when I'm looking at going to a rave today on, you know, where we are in life, when yeah. this podcast goes out, hopefully we'll have moved forward a bit in life. Mm -hmm. I, I pray that we have. But where I'm at right now. If I go to the rave and do that, someone may catch coronavirus. <laughs> do you know what I yeah. mean? So it's like that feeling ain't there for me right now. Mm. I've just done five months of homeschooling. I'm <laughs> going to the rave so I can do another five months of homeschooling because I've gone to the rave, you know? Like, I can't look in my kid's eye and go, yo, son, like, I've got to homeschool you again. Why? Well, because we've had a, because it's about. Yeah. Well, why is it about? Well, you know, like, I don't want that right now. I just want I just want to slowly put my foot on the accelerator at, like and come out when like we can all come out and hug each other. Yeah. And be like, oh man, I haven't seen you for time. Let's let's catch up. You know, like I don't I'm not looking to run out and go, right, I'm back. Remember me. <laughs> I don't care if no one remembers me. <laughs> like, I just don't. I just want to, like, come out and be happy and everyone to be happy. Like, that's it. End of bottom line. I'm not chasing nothing now. I'm just chasing health for everyone. Like, I don't care. I don't care about none of this On that, in that sense no more. Mm -hmm. It's mad. It's changed like that. Yeah. So what would you say your aspirations would be like for clubs when things get going again? Like, are there for any clubs. changes that you'd like to see? For clubs or the people in the clubs? <laughs> what do you um, mean by that? That's an open, for, that's for a clubs, very open. Clubs as in, you know, hubs and homes for this music and this culture to develop. For creativity. Mm. Like, uh, I think, you know, I feel like when your back's against the wall, yeah, that's when you create the best shit, right? Yeah. So when you're starting out, you ain't got no money. You're living in the tiny this, that, and whatever. You're on the dole. You're claiming housing benefit. You know, you're trying to make music to get you out of a situation and to, and to, to prove to people that you can do something and to prove to yourself you can do something and to create energy, you know? And now we're kind of in that situation again. It's like stepping out, it's like signing off the doll. It's like when you sign off the doll, you're like, oh my God, what am I gonna do without that 80 pound every two weeks in my bank account? <laughs> do you think I can make it as like, without like the nanny state helping me? Do you think I can do it without like, and you do it. And we're in that place now. Is it cool to step out? Are we going to do it? Like, mm. and that kind of edgy feeling 
I kind of gone off a bit off on a tangent there, but that kind of feeling, yeah, creatively, I think is burning in a lot of people. I think a lot of people are creating good work right now. Right. You know, if they've started from a place of uncertainty anyway, so it's like they've had to go out and prove themselves in the first place. So all they're doing is going back to the beginning again. And I feel from, you know, you could be an artist. It's the same thing. Mm. Creativity is going to be in a good place coming out of this. I I strongly believe that. I think it will be in a better place than before. Mm. But I think what we've got to watch as a community and like, seriously, if we are all in this together, because there's talk of that, but I don't know if I believe it. But if we are all in this together, yeah, we have to look after each other when we come out. You know, mm. we can't just go, yo, my man's going for all the money and they're going to go and get it. Like, because if it comes out and it's just raw capitalism than when we went in before, because everyone's been stuck at home for a year and a half. And I really understand and I really sympathize. But we're all in different situations. Like, I've been lucky. I can put my head on other projects and still create enough money to pay the rent. I understand not everyone is in that situation, you know, and I've, I I feel for people who really want the clubs to open because they need to pay the fucking rent. And I get, mm-hmm. I completely understand that. And we just got to look after each other when we come out because creatively we're going to, well, I know everyone's making sick music right now because what else can you do all day apart from watch Netflix or like if you've got kids, you've got homeschool, but if you haven't, you've got no excuse. You ain't got kids right now and you're (laughs) a a producer and you ain't making like bangers on bangers. If you ain't making some mad shit right now, what the fuck are you doing? Hmm. Like this is your time. You're at college again. Like this is, you've had two years. You should be coming out right now. Hmm. Like, so it's like when we come out, creativity, creatively, we're going to be great. The clubs, I just hope from where the BLM thing happened, from, you know, female activism, I hope we just take all that on board and keep it moving forward. Keep the equal opportunities for everyone within everything moving forward. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't just become a land grab for the music industry to take it because there's a line there's creativity and there's the music industry and we don't just want the music industry to come and land grab the shit out of it you know we want creativity to to prosper you know Mm -hmm. and i just i just hope it does Mm, i hear you and am i right in thinking that you're starting a new label yeah i've got a label called dream vision future which is just, is that the right name? I can't remember if it is now. Don't think, ask me. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I've got a lot of things going on. But basically, like, Lobster Boy, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, like, it's it's released loads of different types of people, different music from Melody to MJ Cole to Melee to New York Transit Authority to myself. Like, it's been a home for lots of different people over the space of 10 years. Mm. you know uh, and done a lot of different things and basically it's more club harder club led or like uh vocal led okay so with dream vision future within this time of reflection 
and um, having the opportunity to just not make music focused on clubs. Because, you know, I've noticed your two questions have been the last two. How are we going to get back into the clubs? What are we going to be doing in the clubs? Like, I haven't been thinking like that, you know. Because mm. if I had, I would have tried to be making solid club bangers for the last year. So when the clubs are open, I'm like, hello. Yeah. But I I can't see that energy in my mind. Mm. Like to do that where I said I used to be like, right, and I've got three shows this weekend. Right. I'm making like I'm making this sound this week because I know it's going to go off on this rig. That's club in that mm -hmm. space. Because that's all gone. This is where I see, say creativity is at a good point. Yeah. Because people's brains have had a clear slate. Yeah. You know, where we were all going one route before, it's been like, you know, our, our, uh, our puddle in our heads just been going like that. And someone's just thrown a stone in and it's gone. Mm -hmm. And now it's all going. <laughs> and yeah. The currents are moving differently. So people have hopefully created differently mm. and tried different directions of music and sound and da, 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 da. So dream vision future is that lobster boy was that pre COVID dream vision future is after the stone in the puddle. Okay. Not saying lobster boy. I'm not going to put anything out on lobster boy again. I'm sure I will this year, mm -hmm. but it's more about experimenting non-vocals it's like a non-vocal more experimental label basically mm, mm. um so have you found it quite liberating in a way to to not have the kind of definitely. mission of making you know functional club music definitely definitely like it's a breath of fresh air yeah yeah i don't mind pain you know mm. like I, I i don't like it but i can cope with it and I can I can use it as an energy because for me and my life, whatever I'm feeling, I'll suck it up and I'll turn it into a battery, you know, and that battery will charge me to create. Right. And the energy that we've all been sucking up over the last year, we got to recycle it. We got yeah. to do something with it. We can't let that energy turn us the wrong way depress us or da, da, da. it's all right to feel down a hundred percent it's all right to reflect but at the same time use that energy and turn it into something positive for yourself you know mm. like so that's what i've been trying to do really and i know this is probably way in the future or maybe i don't know but um you Make know from <laughs> speak speak the future come on okay no i was just asking i was just wondering about um you know those kind of community values that you've kind of been describing to me um and you know things moving forward together mm. is that something that you hope the label will be able to do like are you looking to release other people on the label eventually i think the thing is with okay so here's another really interesting point of where we're at in life in general and creativity working in music and technology like how we're talking together now on Zoom. Mm -hmm. No one was doing this a year ago, were they really on Zoom? We were using Skype or WhatsApp or da 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 da, da. So many things are changing and are, are, are evolving and, and the industry is evolving and how you can put music out is evolving and how you don't need middlemen anymore. Like even today I'm putting a tune up on 
a platform called Audius. Have you heard of Audius? No. This is the so basically it's 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 the first kind of SoundCloud yeah. on the blockchain. So okay. you get you get paid and you with cryptocurrencies. Yeah, yeah. For for the music, mm-hmm. and that basically means you're cutting out everyone, including GB GDB and USD. You know, yeah. you're cutting out currencies now. You know, like it's moving fast. So for me to say to anyone, yo, come to my label and me take your music off you for 10 years or whatever, I could be doing them a disservice now because technology is moving so quick. What I would say to everyone at this point, as much as I would love to bring people in and form a collective, I would say to everyone at this point who isn't a producer, musician, put it out yourself. Mm-hmm. own your own catalog because this world is changing quickly and you mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen next for you to make money from your catalog from mm. because it's crazy out there now like you can bring money you can farm money from creativity online yeah you know? no i think that's really good advice for for new producers Uh, Mm. is there anything that you can imagine that a label can provide for an artist in 2021 a community Mm. nurture (laughs) care (laughs) do you know what i mean like no you know like anyone who shouts me i'll help them do you know what i mean i'll definitely put people's music out on my label if they were like yeah i want you to put this out i'll be like cool let's look at that but you know, and I'd always help people with tips, you know, make this more sparse. You could add a bit more here. If you're going for this, go for that label. Like, I'm not the right label for this to be picked up from if you want to go that way. You know, it. You know, people look at vehicles like labels for a lane they want to be in. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's got to be the right label for that lane, et cetera, et cetera, um, and stuff. So it's, yeah, I think community is really important, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've talked a lot about the the home for the music without actually talking about the music yet. So right. um, uh, from what I'm hearing of your new material, mm. it's kind of drawing back to, you know, breakbeat sounds yeah. with a, more of an innovation on it. And mm. um, yeah, I don't know, just since we've been talking, I'm just wondering if like um, perhaps the removal of the element of like i need to create functional club music for my dj set this weekend yeah has enabled you to like really strip down and go back to like what gave you joy initially yeah would you say that's accurate do you know what it is i think it's i can do it without thinking yeah break beats and stuff i don't have to think about it it's just very much ingrained in my mind because of how i grew up with music Mm -hmm. so it's like if I make like you see, I know you know the functional club music. What do you think is functional club music out of interest? You're curling your face up now. Why are <laughs> no, you just doing because that? I, I do kind of hate that. You know, I think the word functional yeah has no feeling in it, and that's why I, I don't yeah. really like using it. But yeah. um, so why do you why, why do you say that? I'm interested. Just because um, I was just having the I was imagining you like kind of approaching uh-huh. making music and thinking an, about how it's going to be you yeah yeah <laughs> in the kitchen <laughs> no like with my drill in my hand <laughs> no, the thing is like right 
functional is a good way. It's one way of describing it because it, everything needs a function. Like it's a vehicle. Like mm -hmm. everything is a vehicle for, you know, or, uh, it's a shape to slot into something. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and all music is that because it provides a food. It's an appetite, isn't it? It's like, it's food for someone's appetite. If they want yeah. this, they're going to eat that. Like it's food. I call yeah. it food. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, we are eating. <laughs> what do you want to eat? Do you want a burger? Do you want chips? <laughs> or do you want the gourmet shit? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and it's all food. Like sometimes shit, this recipe is really hard to make. Like, I don't know if I can make it. Oh fuck, I cooked it too much. It's burnt. No one wants it now, but I'll yeah. put it out anyway and see. <laughs> no, it's gone, it's gone fucking moldy on the shelf. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, it's like, you know, you can make, you can make the bacon putty. <laughs> Even though I'm veggie, I don't make bacon butties, but it's like, you know, you can make a cheese sandwich. And sometimes the cheese sandwich, man, tastes fucking good. Yeah, it you just know? really hits. Yeah, all you need is a cheese sandwich, right? And a cup of tea. You've been up before, <laughs> as you ain't eating nothing, you're on the move. That cheese sandwich feels good. And music's like that. Like, when you overthink shit and you're like, oh man, I'd said it this morning on my Instagram, because I'm making a documentary at the moment with my friend about stuff. And I said it on the gram this morning about something we're working on and we were talking to one of my friends and he said you're only as good as your last tune and i was like i used to live my life by that rule mm -hmm. 10 years ago all mm -hmm. my 20s i used to live my life by that rule right i don't i haven't for quite about seven years because i i feel like the journey of creativity yeah you have it's like it's just like walking yeah and sometimes you're in the fucking trenches and it's raining. Yeah. And other times you're at the top of the hill and there's fucking sun and like, you're like, oh, this is nice. But I like this because yesterday it was raining and I was walking in mud. And then you have to climb back down that hill again and you may slip over. Do you know what I mean? And get a bruise. And then the bruise goes away and you're back on the trenches and da 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 da. And music to me is that like, you can't just try and go for the top of the hill all the time because there's only one hill in the village or whatever, you know? It's like, you can't live on top of the hill. Like, you got to move around. you got to see what's going on over here and over there. Like, that's creativity. Oh, shit, I'm back at the top of the hill again. I didn't even mean to be here. All right, let's walk back down. Let's go this way now. What's over here? Oh, shit, there's this. Oh, I like that view. Boom, boom, mm -hmm. boom. You've got to be prepared to just be hated for a minute or only 10,000 people listen to your tune on Spotify instead of 20 million or, or vice versa. Or you sell 500 white labels and only 300 of them sell or RA want to send you, do a podcast with you or they don't. It, you know, it's all just like, it don't matter. What matters really is what you feel like what you feel in your heart about where you're going. Like that's what really matters. And sometimes it can take a long time for your heart to feel good because mm. creativity is a long journey, man. And I just, I can't remember the question. I've gone off on one, haven't I? No, I think you're still just about on the topic. <laughs> oh yeah, it's why you're making these tunes and, <laughs> and that's it. Just enjoy the cheese sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just enjoy the cheese sandwich because today I ain't making like ragu. 
or fish stew or fucking whatever. Do you know what I mean? I'm making a cheese sandwich. And you know what? Someone's going to want that cheese sandwich because they're on, they just want that cheese sandwich today. And tomorrow mm-hmm. they're going to want spinach and mm. mushrooms on toast. Uh, I don't know. But you know what I mean? Ter- <laughs> I, I am hanging on to the metaphor, but I think, <laughs> I think what, what I take from it is yeah. that, um, you know, this is what brings you joy at the, at this point. And also, you know that because you had such a connection with it the first time around, right. you know that, that other people will be able to get to that point with what with your take on it. Well, do you know what? The first time around, it was jungle. So it wasn't this tempo. It was like 160, 170. This is all <laughs> like 125. So I guess as well, it's about right now, I feel like, we're all in quite a reflective place. Okay, I'll leave the cheese sandwich analogy alone. I feel like we're all in quite... Actually, to be honest as well, I'm not just making uh, red light stuff. I've, I did an album on XL this year. Mm-hmm. Under, do you know that? Under Clips? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did the Clips album um, the, uh, of remixes for Everything Is Recorded. So that took me seven months last year. Mm. Uh, and I've been doing work for uh, a fashion label and I've been doing a bit of producing and stuff. So when it came to doing Red Light and Dream Vision Future, it was like, I just wanted to enjoy simplicity and enjoy not having vocals or not doing this and just enjoying sampling and space and feeling of just pads and bass over breakbeat i guess the, you mm. know the cheese sandwich <laughs> i think there is something really nice about like documenting you know the the mood of the nation in a way mm. um because like you said a lot of people have been feeling really reflective mm. um, but obviously you've put your own spin on it because of your musical background mm. um well let's let's have you take us behind the scenes of okay. making this record so right. what was your diet like at the time in terms of you know re- i don't mean cheese sandwiches i mean uh. in terms of like <laughs> in terms of like reading what were you watching what were you listening to not just music scenario. shit like i just what do i read like just reference books really like art books um just what's on my shelf like punk books about punk music um books about artists like i guess what was the exhibition just before the tape closed what was that exhibition that was on um warhol just been to the warhol exhibition you know reading a bit about him um basquiat you know i've got loads of basquiat books and herring books it's quite fun like sometimes it's fun looking at the pictures but actually sometimes it's fun reading about what they were up to and Mm -hmm. and and what i realized was they did it 24 7 they would make a painting all day and all night and sometimes people were buying that painting this is actually a very good analogy good question so it's like there's there's this book about basquiat and warhol Yeah. yeah And their relationship. You ever seen this book? Basquiat. Um, is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. It's, no. no, it's Warhol on Basquiat. Okay. Right. Big shouts to Smutley because I think he bought it for me for my birthday. But right. So basically, yeah, Warhol's the older artist for in his, I think he died in his 40s, didn't he? Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Maybe he looked he looked about in his forties anyway. Bless him. And Basket was a lot younger, you mm-hmm. know. And they they kind of found this fascination between each other, yeah, and started rolling with each other. And at the time, Warhol took shit ton of photos every day of them, like on the the Polaroid or camera or whatever. And one time, <laughs> Basquiat does this painting, yeah, sick painting. It's not even dried. It's still wet. Yeah, it's not even finished. Someone <laughs> comes to the house and goes, I'll give you 20K for it now. <laughs> right. And Basquiat's like, yeah, all right, fuck it. Gives this guy this painting that's not even finished, still wet. 20K. And Warhol in the book's like, bastard. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's like, I, you know, I so wish... I was still at that place when people came to my house and took wet paintings off me. I was that, that fresh, you know, that exciting to people. Mm. And I guess the relevance of this music and this album, it's just a painting that's fresh on the canvas. And because of the technology and the opportunity within the technology that I was talking about, I can throw that wet canvas up Mm. onto a platform like Spotify just after I've done it. Like I've just finished one of the singles from it. It will be released next week. It's like, fuck it, throw it up. Well, it's still wet. (laughs) Like, why not? Mm. Like, dudes who I work with on press sometimes, big ups dudes and Ed, they're like, you can't do this. You're paying me to do some press for you, <laughs> but you're putting the tune up like before you've given us two weeks. And I'm like, yeah, but it's like, it's it's made, I'm going. I want it out now, because mm. I can. Because it, it, it's that simple now. We can do this. And then next week, I'm going to throw something else up that I just made. And then, oh shit, we'll change that. We'll take that one off the album. It's like, it's internet possibilities now. Wet or dry paintings. You can just throw mm. them up. So, yeah, I guess I was reading that. That gave me some inspiration. Mm. I watch YouTube documentaries all the time, like about hip hop and uh, just anything, really. Like, um, and um, I don't read that much. I try and read a book, but it never really works out. And then um, just in here, like for me, I can I've got creativity inside me, like in abundance like it never stops so i can just walk into this room here and i'm like if i've got enough energy in me after homeschooling my kid or whatever i will just see what happens you know and maybe this route of this record is me being a bit lazy and trying to just go paddy and like atmospheric because i'm quite a bit tired (laughs) <laughs> and I'm a bit like, this is the direction I want to go in right now. And I, I don't mind that. I like mm. it. And people like it, you know, because mm. everyone's feeling like, oh, man, I can't go. I can't concentrate too much on yes. your functional dance music right now. Like, I just need to have the cheese fucking sandwich, bro. Mm. So it's like, you know, I just need something in the background. And you know what? I just want something in the background, too. Yeah. Like, I just want to chill, man. Like, we've got mm. enough on our fucking plate right now. You don't need another fucking red light record. Mm. You know I mean, who cares about this guy? <laughs> um, so having that listener in mind, you know, what would you imagine would be like an ideal way to take in this release? Just at home, really. Yeah. You know, in the car, on the headphones, 
in your feelings. Mm-hmm. Just like, yo, have a piece of this. Like, just have two minutes of it, you know? Just feel it for a sec. Just feel what I'm feeling for a second, yeah? And then if you mm-hmm. don't like it, throw it in the bin. If you do, listen to it again. Like, it's all good. It's calm. It ain't cost mm-hmm. me nothing. I master it in my room. I fucking, <laughs> I don't have a distributor. I put it up myself. And this is what's so fresh now, yeah? You can create. Like, if you've got it in you and you know how to cut something, like, as in cut the beat right, cut the energy right, create, put the colours on the canvas right, you can put it up for nothing. Mm. And people can listen to it for nothing, practically. And, like, Mm. okay, I can't put it up for nothing because I have the equipment, I pay the rent on my studio, et cetera, et cetera. But what I mean is I'm not going, oh, my God, I need this huge timeline. I need fucking marketing, press, this, that, the third. I don't give a shit about that. Like, Mm. I can go direct to consumer now. I can go direct to people who want to listen. Yeah. You know, and if you want to listen, let's go. You know, Spotify wants to put it on a playlist and people are like, yeah, that's cool. Or someone wants to buy it on Beatport or da 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 da. If I'm not pressing vinyl, there's no money. Like, I'll get my boy to make some artwork. Shout out to Smutley. You know, I'll get my other friend Carrie or Chaz or someone to cut a little video thing. Like, did you see the video for Crystal Rain? Yeah, yeah. That was me in a bloody green suit, like on a, <laughs> at 7am on a housing estate near where I live. Do you know what I mean? Freezing my tits off, looking like an idiot, you know? And then we just got a, another friend of ours. You know, you can do things if people are, and everyone's kind of in the same frame of mind, I think. Like, you know, let's do this because we want to do it. Not because there's money in it, not because... You know, we're going to get a big headline show out of it. Not because not because Boris Johnson is providing my timeline for me. Oh, shit. Now I have to put my music out because Boris Johnson says we can come out. Mm-hmm. Fuck Boris Johnson. So you're <laughs> fucking boss or something. You're putting your music out to Boris Johnson's fucking timeline. Are you mad? Like, just put music out for mm. people to listen to. Like, Boris Johnson ain't your boss, kid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like it's t- it's it, you go you can go that way or you can just go the other way. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to um, you know deciding that a record is finished and you you are ready to share it with your listeners, um, is that like a difficult process or is it just a, a sort of gut feeling or how do you navigate that? Creativity's never finished; it's abandoned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that old saying, isn't it? It's just like. The guy came around the house and he brought the canvas before the paint was fucking dry, yeah? Right. It's that. It's like, you know what, yeah? <laughs> I forgot the pickle in this tea sandwich, but it's still edible. Yeah. Or the, the next day you put the pickle in. It's like, it's the journey of creativity. You're up the hill, you're at the bottom of the hill, you're getting bruised, you've got a fucking wart on your toe, <laughs> whatever. It's like, okay. <laughs> it don't matter. It's like, because there's always another chance. Mm. You're not going to live and die by this tune. Like, the catalogue is the catalogue. Pick and choose. I ain't doing it for no one else apart from me at that time because it's it's spelling an energy and creating another one for someone else to experience, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, because we don't have to press it on vinyl anymore, when you had to outlay, what was it, £2 of vinyl back in the day and you were doing 5,000 tracks, 5,000, that's 10 grand outlay. So you're putting 10 grand in. 
your tune better be tip top. There better be 20 DJs playing it before you put that in the shops because then it will sell. Right now, there is no outlay. I don't have to go and get a one grand radio plugger to fucking put it on five DJs laps. I don't need to. If I don't want to, I can just go, yo, this is for the people. Like, I'll, I'll, like, I'll do it all in my room. I've got, I can do that mm-hmm. and just put it up. And, it, and it, that's it. So what would your advice be to any producers who are new, perhaps they started making music this time last year at the beginning of lockdown, who yeah. are at that stage where they just need that um, extra bit of you know, self-assurance to start releasing? Right. I would say to those people, because I've been, when I was in that situation, I, you look for confidence. You're looking for, what's the word? Um, uh, what is the word you're looking for uh, assurance that you're going in the right direction like and that 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 is needed you know like i'm confident now i've been in the game 20 years i don't care if i'm going in the right direction sometimes creativity is about going in the wrong direction you know and then they're like well my man did that three years ago when no one was doing it and i thought it was shit and now this person's doing it and it's amazing or vice versa why is he doing that when my man did it three years ago and it was way better it don't matter like it just doesn't but when you're starting out you you know you want to build your confidence like when i heard my tune getting played by dying fabric that built my confidence when brian g used to cut my tunes even i thought that tune was shit but then brian cut it on dub plate and played it in movement on thursday at bar rumba now i think it's amazing (laughs) because like you have that seal of approval from a peer that you respect and I think that goes a long way when you're starting out is a is approval. You know, like we're not all built. I'm not a confident person like outside of my little shell. Do you know my little world I've built for myself, really? And I feel like at the beginning, it's like. You need that you need you need to send to DJs you respect, you need to send to labels you respect and and get a bit of feedback, you know, community radio as well and stuff like that it, it's good to just just feel the water get, get a bit of feedback reference tunes that you really love and say like is this good enough am i going that way like do i want to copy that do i want to go my own way and kind of work out what, where you sit and how you feel about that you know because there's there's two different schools of thought there's there's one school of thought which is don't release anything until you are level leveled up you your level is high so when you come out everyone wants it and then there's the other school of sort which is learn on the job you know it's it's all right it's a bit ropey but you know we may get away with it and someone may be into it you can help me out and develop more skills because if you don't know anyone and you're not immersed in a community how do you know if it's right or wrong Mm -hmm. you have to let it go and and let it marinate you know for something to come back and say no it's shit bro or actually oh yo i love that you know oh what really or you know and don't care don't take criticism on the chin too much like you know the internet is a is is a, a barren place it's like you've got to you've got to be wanting to do it for you you know mm-hmm. first and mm-hmm. foremost for yourself no one else mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a lovely place to leave our conversation today on some advice. So, Red Light, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Nice one, yeah.
Thank you for listening to RA's Exchange with Red Light. I will have a new episode for you next week. Until then, our full archive is available for you to take in. And if you find something you love, please do leave us a review in Apple Podcasts as it helps get our stories to more ears. Thank you.